Podcast. You know, we discussed those resonant waves of orgasm when the genitals, when the sacred chakra opens up fully and vibrates with the universe. Love is when your heart does that and nobody's touched you and nobody's done anything. All you've done is exhale and suddenly you have a heartgasm. That, that's, that's love. When you, when you exhale and you realize you're in love with the universe and it's in love with you in return. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful souls, to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. This is your weekly installment of your inner connection to your outer expression, where I, your host, Harrison, set the intention with the beautiful guests that I get to bring on to help you dive into and pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. And to do that today, I have a beautiful, powerful, loving man, Mr. Andre Knight on with me. Andre Knight is a meditation tantra and awakening coach. He is an energy healer. He's an ordained priest. He is, and most of all, a big and powerful heart. What I want to do here before passing to this beautiful man is as you're listening, what I'm starting to do on the podcast is to give you a quick little outline of why you should listen to this episode. And today, you should listen if you're interested into all things tantra and tantric understanding, the divine feminine, divine masculine, sexual energy, and more. So with that, Mr. Andre, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Mm, I'm feeling it, Brother Harrison. I'm feeling it. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's nice to see your face, my friend. We uh, we've spent time together, you know, in in energy, in voice. But it's nice to finally connect to your beautiful being. Yes, yes. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, I love being it. the voice on Clubhouse. It's nice to meet face to face. Yeah, I'm looking forward to today's conversation. I really am because I think it's an important one. Yeah, and I think it's important as we get started here, Andre you know, the, the work that you do in the world, the work that I do in the world, a big part of it as is this podcast is foundation is foundational in love, right. And love for a lot of people, which we'll get into today, you know, has a lot of connotations, has a lot of meanings, has a lot of beliefs and systems around it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't need to be complicated. And I think that's a big part of, you know, what you do in the world, from what I've experienced, and I can't wait to share that with uh, everyone listening. So, Andre, I guess where I want to start this is I want to mm. give the audience a bit of an understanding about who you are, right? I like setting a foundation. And before we get into all things Tantra, all things energy and love, I want you to share with me whatever comes up around this question in terms of, you know, what has led you to this moment? What, what comes up when I ask you about maybe a pain teacher, maybe a, an awakening process that led you to be the loving light today, talking about some of the things that you talk about? Honestly, it wasn't even very deep. It was seeing Star Wars as a kid. And like, as if the spaceships flying overhead, shooting at each other weren't enough to like blow a young child's mind. We, we had never seen anything like that before but then like this idea of sensing each other's thoughts and being in touch with this force that connects all living things something just went off inside of me like bing 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 there's something here and like 
the loose threads of my life that followed since then, like studying in monasteries in the East, uh, enrolling in a monastic order, learning the Western traditions, eventually becoming a Templar Knight, like I've been looking for bits and clues throughout history for proof of this because it like resonates and it felt real from that moment when I was a kid. And, you know, turns out it is real. Yeah. Uh, there is an order of mystical wizards from ancient Egypt who were known as the Jedi, spelled <laughs> D-J-E-D-I, like it's a real thing. Mm. And I believe they are the predecessors to the Templars and very well could have been the three Magi described in the Bible too, you know. <laughs> I um, let, let me jump in here because it's... <laughs> there's threats, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that you're starting with this. I... So first of all, Star Wars is one of my favorite movies of all time. So another another bond and connection that we have just added to the list. It's interesting that you say, you know, being sort of awestruck by the sort of cosmic, the cosmic love and mysticism that these movies portrayed. And I, I have a question, a kind of very esoteric question that I want to get your perspective on. I, around this, around this idea of, growing up with science fiction and, and these really sort of out there uh, creations that people have made. I, like you, have come to the same understanding that a lot of this stuff that many of us were told were not real, not only is it real, but it's far deeper than we could even expand. A lot of us were exposed to this in these sort of mainstream science fiction, like I, I look at the superhero craze at the moment of all the things happening with the superhero movement, superhero movies. And you look at all the, a lot of the themes that are in those movies and you then connect it to occult learnings and Eastern philosophies and, you know, just the divine source. And a lot of it has threads here. So my question to you, my friend around this is we know that creation energy, many people call it downloads do you think that do you feel this is just a hypothesis do you feel that there is something going on in the ether where there is almost like an implanting in these creative mediums for the collective at large to help people come to grasp with the greater reality am i does that make sense what i'm saying did i just go too deep into it, the woo-woo straight away. No, it makes perfect sense. And we actually see this throughout human history. Like progression is not linear, like a slanted line uh, as far as civilization and the amount of time that had passed. Humanity tends to plateau and stay more or less level, maybe increasing slightly. And then there's these sudden leaps and then it plateaus again. And then there's a sudden leap several hundred or thousand years later. It very much feels energetically that we're getting ready for one of these quantum leaps, absolutely. That's how we've seen civilization advance in the past, and it wouldn't surprise me if consciousness takes the same course. And do you it's think, a critical mass effect. It yeah. really is. And do you think there is a, a consciousness or a force, to use the Star Wars reference, do you think there is a force sort of helping, because there's a lot of people in the world at the moment that you know put very, and I don't say this in a derogatory way, there are a lot of people that are asleep. There are a lot of people that are living their lives very unconsciously. Do you think there is a force that is coming through sort of media to maybe help people wake up? Like I think about your experience with Star Wars, right? I wonder how yeah. many other people are having that experience. Where do inspirations come from for fiction? Yeah. From the same places for nonfiction and for research. Like it all comes from this, you know, unconscious cosmic ether 
Nikolai Tesla said his best ideas he received. He didn't call them his own. He said he received them. There's something that geniuses and Christ's chapter tap into. Absolutely. Yeah. What's, what's really interesting for the folks that um, have a hard time with the word God, there's something I've been thinking of. Like we, have, we know the double slit experiment, which shows that individual photons, individual electrons are aware of being watched and change their behavior. Mm, the observer effect. Wow. There, there was a more modern version of it done recently called the quantum eraser that demonstrates this effect works backwards in time too. They split the beam and one goes through a set of mirrors so it arrives half a second after the first one. This effect works, works backwards in time. So how do we know it's not our future already awakened selves sending a message back to ensure it happens the way it's supposed to? Like physics is actually pointing to the fact that this is exactly how reality works. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it, my friend. I could not think of a better way to start this chat. All right, let's 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 come back up a little bit, just a little bit from the deep dives here, because I, I do want to stay yep. here. Let's. I want to get in now, my friend, to one of your sort of specialties, one of the, the the topics that I know you love to speak to, and it is tantra, right? And I want to I want to break down a couple of things here for people, the audience listening. That's why I wanted to bring you on because I. I think this topic at large, there's so much in it that I want people to get. So let's, I think let's start with what is Tantra? How would you define as someone that sort of works with this, you know, way of being this modality? How would you def define it to someone that's new to Tantra? It's the study of the force. <laughs> it's exactly what we've been talking about. Um, you know, I started with meditation, and a lot of people think meditation is relaxation, it's clearing your mind, um, becoming more focused, more mindful, it's good for your health, good for your creativity. All of that is true, but all of that is the practice that leads you to meditation once you master that. Meditation eventually leads to energy awareness. That's where it leads. And Tantra is then the application of that awareness. That's how I would describe it. Here in the West, people instantly associate it with sex. And yeah. yes, yeah. it will absolutely improve your sex life. It will take it to a completely different cosmic out-of-body level. Yes. But that's like 5% of yeah. what Tantra is. There are other things you can use energy for as well. You know, creativity, music, writing books, building your career, yeah. making a bigger impact in the world. It's the study of energy. And interestingly, the definition of Tantra, if we go back to its roots, the word Tantra just means practice technique or practice so that implies it's not just learning the teachings it's practicing yeah. them every day where you get the benefit not the knowing of but then you, sanskrit's an interesting language because you can break down the syllables of the words too and tan means we've been talking about threads this whole conversation it means something woven together and that can be two lovers that can be the fabric of the universe um sanskrit is interestingly always kind of Everything has a double meaning. And Trump means to transcend. Yeah. Well, to and, and Andre, let me ask you a question yeah. there then. You know, there's those two things connecting together. Does that, does that, and I, I think I already know the answer to this, but I want to hear you say it. Does, does that always have to be external? So meaning that, and I want to, I want to talk about this soon in a second here, but those two things connected together, they could also be representative of our internal masculine and feminine, correct? Absolutely. We're not just talking men and women or people coming together in couples. And by the way, Tantra works for heterosexual, homosexual couples. It yeah. makes no difference because we always have both energies within our own bodies. Yeah. 
the masculine and the feminine energy. So we're not talking gender. We're talking polarities of energy. And that is the ultimate union between yes. those two energies, but then also between the mortal and the divine. That yeah. union, that, therein comes the trap, the transcendence, the awakening from. The awakening from this illusion of separation and the awakening from what we perceive to be reality. Mm-hmm. And that is Tantra. It's exercises that have practiced lead you to that experience or awareness. I love it, my friend. And I think this is this is where a lot of people in the world, and I'm, I'm just projecting here, so maybe if you're listening to this, if this doesn't resonate, then just let it go. But from my opinion, my perspective, I see a lot of resistance and people getting stuck just in the physical with that you know, speaking about the feminine and the masculine, I think people just stop at the physical masculine representation and the feminine masculine representation. But a lot of people <clears throat> overlook that inner, that inner divine, right? That inner divine masculine, that inner divine feminine. And when they do that, they, they're sort of just ignoring something we've been talking about a lot thus far, this this deep spiritual, emotional, energetic base that we're all made of. And I, and I feel, and this is my hypothesis, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I think a lot of the resistance and the separation in the world, I think a lot of it would be very, at, at least eased, at best resolved with that understanding of that inner communion that we all have. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This attachment to this bag of skin and this ego that our minds made up around it is what creates the illusion of separation. It's only an illusion. That's why in the East they call it Maya, the great illusion. And uh, Osho really says it best because he said there is no such thing as becoming. It's just being. You already are divine. You are. That is the realization that everything's connected. The divine is the sum of that interconnectivity. That's why I talked earlier about us from the future, perhaps. When we are all awakened, that's divine consciousness. Already is, it's just the realization is missing and that's why it can be instant. Yeah. So let me ask you a question with this then that bubbles up that I think maybe people would, that maybe people would sort of interject with that, with just being and the, and the, and, and you didn't say this, but this is automatically where my head went to. If I'm just being, there is a part of me that's always whole. However, we know that from a spiritual lens, a big part of the reason that our soul is here in the earth school is to expand and evolve and to to learn to then ultimately come back to source with everything that's been understood and experienced. So Mm -hmm. how, how would you attach that to if everything is whole and this beautiful union exists, where does this now this, these learnings come in? Where does pain come into this conversation? Mm. Well, imagine for a moment you're God. Let's do a thought experiment. You're omnipotent. You are a part of everything. Everything is a part of you. Nothing is separate from. There is one limitation inherently built into that, into omnipotence, believe it or not. And that is to know yourself. Because if you are everything, you can never be outside of yourself. You have no way to know yourself. And hence, here we are, the sense organs of the universe, so it can learn about itself through our experiences. But it needs the full range. We make our own choices, and they lead to experiences, but the universe is always learning from all of us. And it's, um, this kind of leads into what you opened with, the importance of this conversation, because 
it's a feedback mechanism for reflecting to us what's happening in here energetically in lessons and in situations that we can understand it. It's a feedback loop. It's not out to punish us any more than it's out to bless us. It's a giant mirror reflecting back so that we can learn these lessons so the universe can experience what life and existence is. Yeah. That's my theory. So love can experience love. That's how I experience love. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I've landed with that, that, that beautiful explanation that you just described is that I think a big part of this, this podcast, the cosmic love antenna is that, is that how can love experience love in all the beautiful ways that we can do that across mind, body, and spirit. So yeah. Oh, I I love that. I love that. Could not agree more, my friend, with what you said. Basically then it's tech. Like you said, we've become so accustomed with this suit. We cannot see ourselves separate from it or perceive the world outside of it. So meditation, tantra practices like these yoga, not in a strip mall, but like real yoga where meditation and directed breath is involved. Like they will lead to experiences outside this body. And as your awareness grows, your realization of connection to everything else, it grows hand in hand. Yeah, That's exactly why these tools, because it widens yeah. those limitations, but those limitations are ours. The being already exists. It's the perception that needs to shift. It's not the spoon that has to bend. It's you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, Andre, I'm doing a, um, <clears throat> I'm participating in my first mystery school at the moment. I just started it last week and, uh, it's already just sort of starting off in a really beautiful place. But one of the first sort of lessons and awareness that we're going deeper into is this idea that like you just said, we're not just this physical body that we are really a light being that is a complex of different light bodies, right? Physical, mental, emotional, etheric, the Buddhic, the Christ, you know, a lot of things. So when you say that, you know, we're not just, not just this physical being that sometimes gets stuck in that ego structure, you know, it could not be more true. And I guess what I would just add to this people listening, don't put limitations right? Don't put limitations on what that being is, right? Yes, there are different perspectives and understandings based off what teacher or, or um, philosophy you understand. But the thing I have all in common is that there is an expansiveness. <clears throat> there is something that goes beyond, right? And if we can open our mind for one, but also open the heart, then now this becomes something that's not something we read and sort of intellectually understand, it now becomes something experiential that we embody and we start to realize. That's it. Back to the the knowing is nice and you can file it away as a fact, but you got to do the exercises. You got to yeah. do the practices in order to have the experience because that's just it. It cannot be philosophical. It cannot be something you believe in or have faith in. Knowing yeah. from direct experience is something else entirely. Speaking of direct experience my friend you said something before that i want to go back to is with tantra a lot of people myself included for a long time (laughs) automatically uh sort of subverted and went to the default of tantra only being a sexual act and i want to ask you a question around this and this is something that i now speak of a lot that i think is a really important understanding that people need to sort of lean into is that sexual energy is creation energy Right. When we when we sort of 
disconnect from or don't allow the sexual being that's inside of us. I speak about it from the inner child perspective a lot, right? That, that inner child, the inner child, one of its needs is sex, sexual exploration and sexual understanding. If that is not there, then we are also either consciously or unconsciously cutting off our creation energy in some form or another. What is your opinion perspective on this? Well, this is just it. The, the sacral chakra, which is the seat of our sexuality, the orange chakra, not the root red one. This is not about physical stuff, survival, domination, control. That's the problem with society. No, it's the orange chakra, creativity, pleasure, bliss. Yes, creativity is associated with the same orange chakra as sexuality. And there, therein lies the clue, the sacral chakra comes from the word sacred, which means something used for a holy or religious purpose. Because isn't God a creator? Didn't God create all there is? If you believe in that, if you believe in the Big Bang, didn't the Big Bang create all that there is? The oldest four most primal force in the universe is one of creation. There is nothing holier than this sexual energy. It is creation, and that's just it. You can use it to create a child, or you can use it to, with your focused intent to create anything you want. That's, that's Tantra. It's learning. It's back to the Jedi thing from Star Wars. It's learning how to bend the rules a little bit. That's, it's applied energy. Once meditation leads you to awareness of it, Tantra is applied energy, and it's much easier to shift things at the energetic level before they manifest in the physical reality. Moving a boulder with your mind, I mean, I believe it can be done. I'm not there, but I imagine it would take a lot of energy. It's much easier to make slight little changes in the energetic world. I mean, that's really what Tantra is. It's taking, rather than reacting to the world, it's taking an active role in not just talking about a better world, but changing things for the better. Being a co-creator with it. I, exactly. My friend, I'm so happy that you're adding this in. And what I want to just, I had a thought, oh, it came back. So I think what people need to understand is with this creation energy, I had a, I did an interview with uh, Heather Tucker, which maybe you've experienced her on Clubhouse, my friend. She's a uh, a Christian sexologist. Oh, and, I, I love Heather. Yeah. yeah, she's a beautiful being. And we were talking about this paradox within a lot of the churches around the world that sexual pleasure and the sexual act, there's a lot of subverted guilt and shame pushed onto it because it is seen as disconnection from God, but that's not what you just said. And that's not what I believe, right? God is creation. Sexual energy is creation. So when we are in a sexual act, especially if we're very intentional and now we bring in the tantric perspective, it now becomes a space and place of cultivation of, of Godness or connection to a higher power. Would you agree with that, my friends? Well, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, everything, if you read between the lines of the Bible, if you kind of read past the stuff that the Romans wrote in during the Council of Nicaea, like, no, there is high regard towards women. And there are lines that allude to the power of sexuality, not the shaming. It's almost like there's two voices in there. But I mean, I've spoken with Bible scholars on this. There is no passage in the Bible that names her as a prostitute. It doesn't exist. It's something Pope Gregory Ma- added. Mary, Mary Magdalene, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
that was added in 591 AD by poor Gregory. It's something the priesthood teach, but it's not in the Bible. She wore a red sash, which identified her as a tantric healer. If anything, she probably took prostitutes off the street, and she was probably Jesus's coach, which is why, you know, he 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 became more and more tapped in. Um, that would be. I I hope I'm not shocking people, but no. that would probably be more akin to historical fact based on some of the clues, especially what we now know from the Nag Hammadi texts, because we've uncovered other gospels like the Gospel of Thomas and yeah. the Gospel of Mary Magdalene that tell us pretty clearly. And uh, and other interpretations in general of the Bible, right? Which it's, this was my this was my problem exactly in seminary school. Like I believe in the mission of the Templar Knights, but I didn't believe in all of the teachings, you know, because they didn't coincide with what I was learning from Tantra, and that resonated on certain levels. So I got ordained. I left. I started my own church. It's a tantric church, and well. Next time somebody says you can't be spiritual and study Tantra at the same time, I'll say, well, you know, oops. <laughs> uh, I'll have to put my hand up there. I'm actually uh, a minister and this is actually a church. Yeah. Well, Andre, let me, I want to, I want to mine your, your priest sort of, um, you know, knowledge and understanding here. And I want to get your opinion on something. So going back a little bit now to, and we talked about this with Heather, but I want to get your perspective on this. There is a lot of, so everything you said, I agree with. Yet at the same time, there is still, I like how you said there's almost two voices going on within some of the, with the religious texts. And this is what I want to sort of maybe get your perspective on. There is this, I don't know if you want to call it an entity or a force or a, a being or a, there's something that is existing in many religious sects that is pushing this many things, but let's just keep it within this sexual realm, the guilt and shame around the sexual creative expression of both of definitely women, but men too. So I'm wondering what, what do you think this is? I know we're just probably, we're just hypothesizing here, but what is your opinion? What do you, what, what is this force? I, for example, I want to throw it back to you. I, I, I term it as man, the man-made the man-made influence that adds on to the mystical, beautiful elements. What's your perspective on this? You are spot on, dear brother. It is exactly that. Uh, all demons are made manifest from our fears and lacks. They are of our creation. And this is just it. Yes, we can bend reality and we can create things with the power of intent. But realize it also happens from our fears. And that's why the importance of this conversation, it's not just to teach people how to be more impactful in the world, but we, this is the entire mission of the Tantric Awakening Fellowship is that um, energy awareness. Like I believe it's as critical of an issue of our times as cleaning up the environment, ending poverty, ending war, like energy awareness. We've now, we've translated some old texts and part of like the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and they talk um, they talk about exactly an illusion of separation leading to the downfall of Atlantis long before the natural cataclysms. For all we know, it might have caused the natural cataclysms. Like there was this kind of psychic breakdown. They started believing they were all separate and competing. And you look around and we see that happening again. Like this is the issue of our time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a. <laughs> that's a whole other little worm of a wormhole that we could go down. And uh, for people listening, 
at the time of this episode releasing, I've actually released an episode with Shireen Wilson talking about Star Seeds Atlantis and the life between lives. And we hit on what Andrew <laughs> just said. So definitely go back and watch that episode if you want to deep dive into what he just said. But let's, so let me pull back my friend. I do. So yes, we've just defined that Tantra is more than just the sexual act, but it is the, the sexual act is a part of it. And I want to hit on now, I want to get your I want to get some of your tips, your opinions, your perspectives on the role of the orgasm in this. Right? I want to I want to understand me just very selfishly as a man, but also I'm sure everyone listening through the tantric perspective and creation energy in general, what is what is the role of not just the orgasm in general, but what is the role of cultivating the orgasm? And learning how to make it not just a sacral thing, right? So, so I'll throw to you here one second. Just for example, something that I practice is with my sort of self pleasure and my my sort of touching myself and cultivating my orgasmic energy. I I practice the Taoist perspective of starting to use the breath and starting to use the microcosmic orbits and starting to channel that energy when getting close to orgasm to, to channel it to other areas of the being. So what's your understanding of this? And I know I asked a lot there, but what comes up? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I can weave it together. So uh, the role of orgasm, first of all, those wonderful, delicious convulsions that we feel moving through our body, those are energy waves. That is what energy feels like. That's what it feels like when your second chakra opens fully and starts resonating to the point that your whole body vibrates with it. That's one of seven, you know? So there are other energy centers to play with as well, but that gives you an idea, that gives you a starting point. And what that leads to is the out-of-body experience that I was talking about. Uh, for a moment, it vibrates your consciousness out of this shell. The French refer to orgasm as le petit mort, the little death. And that's not to be morbid. They're talking about ego death. There is that yeah. instant. You are not just you, but the you are connected self. with everything. Yeah. So that's the point of it. Tantric practice really looks to stay in that moment as long as possible and explore and embody that space as fully as possible. There's a misconception that Tantra is about staving off or avoiding orgasm. And that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, for both men and women, there's three separate events that happen in a certain sequence. There's an orgasm, then there's climax, and then there's ejaculation mm. with some oh. women as well. And Andre, um, let me, let me pause you there. Cause I want to get to that. I want to get to that difference in a second, because I think it's, mm -hmm. I want to talk about that. Definitely. I want the, the orgasm segments, but before we get to that, can, cause I'm just interested in, as you're explaining this for, for people that might be new to that feeling of the different chakras around the orgasm, you know, space and energy, what does that look like practically? So maybe through the Tantra lens, how does one start to cultivate that connection between the orgasm, which I am sure a lot of people listening, including myself, you know, we're mostly just attached to a physical thing, but the chakra system is not just a physical system. It is an energetic and emotional system. So in your experience from the touch perspective, what are some practical ways to attach the orgasm to those different energy centers? Breath. 
you you said it, brother. Breath is what bridges the energetic world with with the physical, um, because it, that's just it. Without getting to climax and going over, you stay in that state of orgasm. You don't go over. In the, initially, you practice going back till you learn greater self-control. But the idea is not to go over, not to go back, and just to stay in orgasm. And the way you accomplish that is exactly breath. You breathe up your spine, you inhale up your mm -hmm. spine, and you pull that energy where it's concentrating in the sacral chakra in, in your sex organs, and you pull it up. As you inhale, that energy will naturally light up the other chakras, the other energy centers on its way up. And don't try to go all the way to the top. Go as long as it goes. And exhale naturally, let it drop. Yeah. And then inhale again, it'll go a little bit higher each time. But that way you dissipate the energy, you stay in greater, it's like surfing, you stay in greater balance with it. So you can hold that yummy, delicious vibratory state even longer. And the reason it feels so good, because it is in that moment that you're connected with the divine and not separate from. Mm. And it is from that place you can create anything you want. I think your metaphor of surfing is perfect, my friend. I think that's exactly, I think of that balancing act and we'll get to here in a second. I think a big part of that balancing is the divine masculine and feminine within yourself in that moment, right? Trying to go between mm -hmm. both. But I think just to add to what you said, what I would add on top of using that breath within that moment of orgasmic energy, I would also add a thought to it and visualization. I think for me, I know personally it helps in that moment of pleasure and ecstasy and orgasm, pre-orgasm is imagining that energy hit the solar plexus or imagining that energy hit the heart space or imagining mm -hmm. the energy go up and that we know where we know where our thoughts goes energy flows right so it's it's it i want people to realize that these seemingly simple little steps they can be they're very deep and the more that they become a practice and an embodiment that's what makes them sort of more impactful long term would you agree with that my friend hundred percent. It's the practice. I start out every morning with three to five breaths, inhaling, going down my spine, exhaling up, and then reversing it, inhaling up my spine, exhaling down for three to five. And then I breathe back and forth through each chakra. Yeah. Like that's as important as brushing my teeth, just yeah. giving myself that energetic wash. Yeah. It's a cumulative effect. Absolutely. You can't just read a book and expect to be a wizard the next morning, you know? Um, yeah. Or Jedi. It's, or Jedi, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Space that's wizard. That's exactly how they're described in the West Car Papyrus, actually. Uh, Jed wizard. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get those texts off you, my friend. I'm really interested in that. Um, I want to go back, Andre, to something you said before. I interrupted you, and I, I, I do want people to hear it. And so we just we're explaining the orgasm, the energy, transferring it through the body. But this is very important for people to hear. Men and women are equal but men and women are also different. And what I mean by that, and again, I'm going to give one example of this, and I want to get Andre's view on this, is in this orgasm example and then this orgasm energy. And you did speak about those three different sections of the orgasm. I'm wondering now, my friend, how are they different? How are they different between the physical male and the physical female? How are they experienced? So like, for example, before I throw back to you here, I know that cultivating, you know, I do orgasm, but I, you know, from what I've understood and what I've researched and come across in my experience, 
it is better for the physical male to ejaculate, which is different to orgasm. We can separate the two, ejaculate less versus the female who, again, can separate the orgasm but can ejaculate more and that gives a different kind of outcome. So I'm wondering if you could break down this difference. Well, it's, yeah, they say uh, women become more energized after orgasm men become more depleted. Absolutely. Because the energy flows from the masculine to the feminine. Um, that's, um, that's a given, but you said it, it's because they separate the energy from uh, that's exactly it. Women do this naturally. Men can train and learn how to do it, to separate it. And you can have all the orgasms you want and not ejaculate. But the thing is also like most men ejaculate too often, which is why they end up feeling depleted, particularly as they pass 40, 45 and begin to age. Mm -hmm. um, it's different for everybody. If you're low in energy, if you find yourself procrastinating and not achieving at a level you used to, slow down. If your productivity is not affected and you're gung-ho on everything, you're doing just fine. It's individual for everybody, and it depends much more on diet and lifestyle than a hard ed age, okay? You have to watch yourself. But that said, like I see some of these like 40-day semen retention challenges and things like yeah. that. Like every religion, even Tantra developed its dogmas. What's that? This is what I want to get your opinion on. I want to get your opinion on that semen retention. When yeah. it becomes a religion, develops its dogmas, and I wonder if there's a little bit of semen shaming going on. So while most men could stand to ejaculate less, there are also studies that show that if you don't ejaculate at least yeah. once a week, your yeah. chance of getting testicular and prostate cancer is 80 times mm. higher. Mm. Not just a little bit, 80 times. This is the leading argument for castrating your pets, because if you don't, they'll get testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. It's not even about making unwanted babies. Like if you don't want your pets to get cancer, like the statistics are that alarming. So there's that side. And this has been studied at length now, you know, tantric traditions are thousands of years old. We we've done the studies on this now. I'm, I'm very much a mystic, but I'm the son of two scientists. So I always like to put things to the test and do a little bit of research on it. Let me, um, Andre, let me jump in here. Let me, cause I want to ask a question about this before we lose this thread in your perspective with this, with both this uh, mystical experience and this scientific background, what do you think that, so let's just stick to the man, the masculine perspective here. What do you think that balance should be in terms of, okay, so let's say that a man has learned to separate the orgasm and the ejaculation. Okay. They've got that skill down. What, what should the ratio, I know I'm just, this is, there's not going to be an exact number here, but in your, you just, you just gave some numbers around once a week for, a, for, the, for masculine health, for the physiological male, what would be a good balance between experiencing the energetic release of an actual orgasm and the ejaculation? So for example, would you say, you know, once a week for the ejaculation versus within that week having an orgasm, you know, as, as many times as possible. What is, how does that ratio work out for, for men listening? Um, well, again, it's very individual. It depends on lifestyle. Pay attention to if you feel depleted. If you have your orgasm and you fall asleep drooling within two minutes and you lose half the next day being unproductive, you're probably overdoing it. Cut back. 
everybody's their own best measuring stick. So one, one week is what I mentioned. The thing is, there's also like a point of diminishing returns. We now know that, I mean, the body's always producing sperm and it has to yes. get rid of old sperm to make way for new sperm. Yes. Um, they're not reabsorbed into the body. They come out when you urinate, they come out at night. Yes. So there's a point of diminishing returns after two weeks, no matter what. So the sweet spot, I'm not saying do it once a week. It depends on your energy levels. Yeah. Um, do it consciously. I do it most every time I have sex, but that's just because my partner really enjoys it. Ultimately, it comes down to you and your partner. She really enjoys sharing that. That's a that's another question I have, Andre. You're reading my mind here. She's aware of the health benefits. So like, well, but I'll probably have like three, four, five like separated orgasms. And then I'll do the one that goes over into ejaculation. But it's conscious yes. and it's much stronger because it's built up over time. Yeah. Well, that's you know? the other question I want to ask you, Andre, because this is just so fascinating. This wasn't on my list, but I'm just, I'm diving in here, my friend, because I just want to, it's bubbling up and I, and I feel other men listening might want to know this. What, is there a difference between, because you just talked about orgasming and ejaculating with a partner. Is there a difference between, for the men out there in the world that don't have a partner, much like myself, is there a difference between orgasming, ejaculating solo, right? So when you're self-pleasuring, so a lot of, maybe a lot of men out there still watch porn and no judgment to you, but is there a difference between experiencing an orgasm and or an ejaculation with pornography versus experiencing an orgasm and or ejaculation with a partner? Yeah, well, it's not so much solo versus with a partner. It's what you do when solo. I'm not going to knock porn either. Just don't make it your go-to. Don't make it a regular because that definitely has a depleting draining effect. What I would say it's more, you know, treat your fluid as men and women, you know, the female fluid also. It's called Amrita. That translates as immortality. It's, it's precious. This stuff is precious. It is literally liquid life force. Treat it like a treasure. If the way to deplete yourself is to do a quick rush job and put it in a Kleenex. That's not honoring it like the treasure mm -hmm. that it is. If you're doing mm -hmm. a self-practice that it's like, you know, really intentional manifestation, absolutely charge it with some sexual energy. If you're doing a self-love, self-appreciation session, you know, absolutely. If you're watching porn because it's so quick to get up anyway, here's my recommendation for the lovers of porn. That's your way to practice playing with your arousal. Yes. Level. Yes. You know, start with zero, not aroused. You know, if orgasming is nine and a half, 10, catch yourself when you're at a seven or eight, turn it off, yeah. take a break. Yeah. Build up again, use it as a training tool, but say, know that your ejaculations are sacred and use it that way. And you will find yourself much less depleted. This is touching into what comes naturally for women that men don't do. Men ejaculate down and out. Women pull it up their spine. Yeah. They're always inhaling, right? <gasps> yeah. We can learn to do that and separate the energy from the fluid. So you can still enjoy the ejaculation, still enjoy the clearing of the pipes, the releasing of the stress, you know, the releasing of the muscles, but you don't waste the energy. You retain the energy. Yeah. Rather, you're pulling the energy up to the gut, up to the you know, that's called the Hara, the lower down pain, yeah. the third chakra. So interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning a lot here, my friend. This is, I'm, I'm already in my head imagining some just 
I hope this is not too much information for people listening, but that's what this podcast is about. So I'm already imagining different kinds of self-pleasure, self-care acts that I can connect that orgasm to. And that there's different states of, you know, the erection, the different heating stages, the, yeah, I love it. You, you get so deep with this. And um, you know what, and you know what, and I'm not shaming anybody's choice of sexuality because we've done the historical research on this. There is a direct correlation between how much societies repress and shame sexuality and how many wars they experience. Yeah. Something very prevalent for our times. Egypt, they didn't have no wars. They had far less wars. But you look at Babylon, you look at Pompeii. A volcano wiped out Pompeii. It wasn't a war. Like societies that were more accepting of sexuality tend to have less war. Mm. We know that. The hippies were right, right? Yep. Make love, not war. So this is exactly it. It's you're experiencing positive vibratory states. It's creation energy. It's divinity, as, it's we're, as we've been energy. saying. Yeah. So on that on that note, Andre, I want to now shift here a little bit. <clears throat> and it, it we, I've actually been talking about it the whole time, but I want to now give a metaphor that I use, and I want to test this by you and see how this feels for you. I speak a lot about chakra healing. If people listening to the podcast. You've maybe listened to my solo sodes where I've talked about chakra healing. You've also probably listened to the inner child. I talk a lot about the inner child. We share space together, Andre, talking about inner child healing. And mm -hmm. coming back to the sacral center, there is a term that I use that I think is very powerful for people to understand. And it connects to this idea of the, the sexual energy being creation energy, but it's not just the sexual act. And I call this the sacral tree and the sacral tree at the base of the trunk or the, the roots, if you want to call it of the tree, that is the sacral chakra. That is our creation energy. And as the tree starts to grow, it starts to grow branches. And on those branches is the sexual act and being intimate with sexual energy, but is also our relationship with money and finances. One of the other branches <clears throat> is also the inner child. One of the other branches is also our creation of health so I'm wondering, my friend, how does this metaphor sit with you? And do you think this idea that, you know, have that, having that sacral base moving up into all these different ways that we create in this life is a good way of understanding how this energy moves through us? I think that's a brilliant definition. Absolutely. And this is, this is exactly what I've seen working with my clients is Sometimes you clear something from the past, um, you know, a sexual block, either from a past relationship or something that happened in childhood and their career improves or vice versa. You figure out what um, is blocking them in their career and their relationship improves. Like these things are so intrinsically linked. Like, yeah, I love that you make that comparison. It's or that metaphor, because it is very much all interconnected. It's all creation energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's all creation energy. Nothing in the chakra system is random. There's a reason it lies between identity and the physical, right? Because when your will, when your identity meets the physical, that's how creation happens. Yeah. And I love the metaphor and I use it with people because it, like you said, it helps us. It, if, for example, if we have had, if we're having strict business problems or money challenges, and for some reason, that's causing a lot of us resistance. It's causing a lot of tension. It's causing, it's a bit hard to address at the moment. Then realize, beautiful listeners out there in the podcast universe, that you can address that same money challenge 
with dealing with the dynamic between your beautiful little inner child, or you can deal with that money challenge by now starting to cultivate a beautiful self-love masturbation act like we were just talking about moments ago, right? That's how that sacral tree works. If you can cultivate one one part of that of that stem, one part of those roots, then it's going to reach out into the rest of the being. And I would take that analogy, again, just for people listening, that is how our system works in general, right? We are a beautiful system of systems, and I want to get your perspective on this, Andre. The way that we do one thing is the way that we do all things, right? So there's very rarely something in isolation within our system at large. Mm-hmm. No, this is exactly it. There is nothing in isolation. Inner healing is healing the world. It's, oh. it's one and the same. And, you know, that's what I was referring to with the study on uh, wars and the suppression of sexuality, the, the love antenna. The, I mean, this is it. The more we ourselves exist in that childlike, blissful, happy, like the world is actually okay state, the better the world gets. That is exactly the antidote to the fear, to the demon we spoke about earlier that's been working against us. It's our own fears that have been working against us. This, yeah. this is exactly the antidote. It's, yeah. it's changing the frequency. And that is a beautiful segue, my powerful friend, into one of the last questions and topics here I want to hit on with you. And it's, you know, we've been talking in this chat about creation energy, sexual energy. We've been talking about Tantra. We've been talking about religious elements. And as you just said, this is not a one person in isolation doing their one thing. It does impact the collective. We are an, are an individualized interconnected part of an integrated collective. And the way that we do one thing individually ripples out into the cosmos. And I want to just share, we, for people listening, we've spent time on Clubhouse together and you, my friend, have been doing a room in response to the everything that's happening in the Ukraine. And you've been holding uh, group meditations around the idea of the Maharishi effect that we, as a collective, when we set an intention, especially in meditation, that that intention with the meditative introspection of the group ripples out and does impact the greater world. So my question for you here, my friend, is just set this up. I'm wondering how you see the world moving forward, how you see the world moving forward, you know, all the things happening with the, with in Europe, with COVID. And if you have a more spiritual perspective of this shift into the new earth, what, what do you see us as individuals, what is our role here taking this collective step forward? Um, the most intact of the Dead Sea Scrolls that we found um, is known as the Isaiah Scroll, and it is the predictions of the prophet Isaiah. And he describes a world that is riddled with plague, and then eventually food shortages, and then neighbors turning on each other. Um, it's kind of spooky reading his descriptions and then looking around because it's point for point. And he talks about eventually natural disasters and wars over shortages. But then he also describes this world where a perfect utopia where people can heal with a touch, with a glance or a touch, where everyone knows the thoughts of others, where people work in harmony instead of competition. And historians have kind of interpreted this as like, first we have to go through the dark time, but don't worry, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But the way it's worded in the scroll is he keeps hopping back and forth between the two. Like it's not a first then and the other. It's like he's describing 
parallel timelines. And he keeps referring to the song in our hearts. In other words, frequency. So it's like he's saying both are possible parallel futures, and we kind of decide how much of which path we'll experience based on the frequency we hold in here. So, you know, hashtag outer peace through inner peace. Like, yeah. this is it. Gandhi said, be the change. He didn't mean just lead by examples, you know, do good deeds. Be literally your state of being. Like, this is mm -hmm. it. This is the most important thing. So you ask me what I see for the future. It depends what frequency we can get the biggest amount of hearts operating and resonating at. Yeah. Which is, this is why I do what I do. Yeah. And if you believe, which I do, if you believe that we not only live in a multi-dimensional universe, we live in a multi-timeline, multi-dimensional universe, that heart frequency and that shifting of your individual state, who's to say that you manifesting a, a world in which let's just use the example of world peace is obtained. Who's to say that by you really honing into the frequency and the energy of that state, you don't shift into a multiple, a different timeline in which that is in fact the reality. So exactly. I, I just want to encourage, <laughs> I want to encourage what you just said and the power we has. Let me, Andre, let me throw one more question here. What does this look like practically for people? What does this look like? So I gave the example of the Maharishi effect. Do you want to break that down for people that might be new to it? Sure. The Maharishi effect, basically in a nutshell, it's what we've been talking about, that as your inner state changes, you notice things changing in the outside world. They first became aware of it in um, the 19... Um, the 1980s in the Lebanon conflict. And then they repeated the experiment in the 1990s in the Yugoslavia conflict. They've also repeated it in the Middle East in 26 separate cities with results reviewed by 26 independent groups in the United States. Like, it's no longer just a theory. Like, there's data on this. Like, crime rates go down, casualty rates go down. And nobody's even aware that there's people in the area meditating. And now we're doing experiments and we're realizing you don't even have to be in the area. You just have to imagine the area like space and time are 3D concepts and meditation and energy operate at a different level. Now we're finding you don't even have to be there. You just have to think about this place. And like we have people on the ground. They're reporting like having friendly conversations with Russian soldiers in the grocery store. Yeah. You often encounter Russian soldiers in the grocery store because their army doesn't feed them. Like yeah. they're they're talking to each other like human beings. Like yeah. she says, oh, I saw a neighbor smile when they passed me on the sidewalk. I haven't seen a neighbor smiling in two weeks. Yeah. You know, their report, it might not be big, but there's a measurable effect. You know, yeah. we're going to keep doing it. And as more and more people do it like that, Again, this isn't no longer theory. This is now yeah. scientific fact and imagine the possibilities of that. Yeah. And, and for me, Andre, thank you for breaking that down. And for me, it, it, you know, I, just personally, I look at everything that's happening and people's reactions to them. And I think there's one of two ways that people can go. You can either go all in and join in on the, maybe some of the fear, maybe some of the news outlets, maybe some of, you know, following perspectives of mainstream outlets and very well intentionally take action, maybe donate or go to the country or go to the places and, and make shelters or whatever the physical element is. Or 
you could stay where you are and start participating in acts of love that you are powerful within and now set the intention within those acts of love to direct it energetically towards the spaces and places that need it. Right. And that, in my opinion, and I'm sure you agree, Andre, has just as much power as maybe physically going there or donating money or getting lost in an outlet that may may or may not be true. Yeah. Well, it'll manifest physically. Somebody will go there who might be better qualified. If you feel pulled to go somewhere, go somewhere. If you feel pulled to help energetically, do not feel that it is somehow less than. We now know that when things change on an energetic level, they absolutely manifest in the real world. Yeah. You know, it's like the matrix code, right? You change it at the source code level. Um, Another good, another good pop culture sort of uh, uh, media uh, movie there that we could, we could pull on for a lot of deep and powerful insights, but another, another podcast episode for another day, my friend, I have one more question for you, but before I get to that, uh, I love you very much. Thank you for spending time with me today. If people have tuned into your energy and they love what you're saying, they love you, the powerful man that you are, is there anything bubbling up that you want to share with people listening? Anything you're doing as the coach that you are, anything that you're providing, what what, what comes up? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, tantricawakening.net is how you find me and everything that I'm up to. Um, it's going to eventually be a social network for the energy aware. A lot of us, particularly around Tantra, we have issues with being shadow banned on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And a lot of teachers are going to OnlyFans and that doesn't quite feel right either. So there seems to be a need for something in between. So eventually it's going to be a social network not just for Tantra, but for the energy aware. So people on the path can support one another and connect with one another. For now, there's just a spot where you can drop your email address and we'll let you know when the site goes live. But you see all my socials listed there so you can plug in using your favorite. And basically the mission of the Tantric Awakening Fellowship is to raise energy awareness. And we're doing that with this online temple that we're building. And we're also in the process of looking at land. We're going to build some physical temples like year round. There's always like retreats and you're like, oh, too bad that's in Bali. Too bad that's in October. So we thought it would be like really cool to have a year round place. Mm -hmm. So we're building both a virtual and physical temple. And if that resonates for people, I encourage them to take a look at our Patreon. That's listed amongst the socials at tantricawakening.net. We're going to start providing bonus content to support the people who support us. And that's the best way to get involved because it helps us achieve that mission, which is just make people more aware of energy by any means possible. (laughs) That's that's what we're all about. It's a beautiful mission, my friend. And as always, beautiful listeners, if you go to the show notes of this episode in your podcast player, you'll see all of Andre's beautiful links to his resources that will help you connect with him. Andre, my final question here for you, the intention of the cosmic love antenna is to help people pull back and dive into the layers, restricting health alignment and love. And I think for a lot of people that love word can be very ambiguous and has a lot of different meanings. So I'm wondering what is your definition, my friend, for that L O V E word? You know, we discussed those resonant waves of orgasm when the genitals, when the sacred chakra opens up fully and vibrates with the universe. Love is when your heart does that and nobody's touched you and nobody's done anything. All you've done is exhale and suddenly you have a heartgasm. 
that, that's that's love when you when you exhale and you realize you're in love with the universe and it's in love with you in return it's not even specific towards a person or as a result of an, any kind of exchange or anything it's just yeah that spontaneous exhale when you realize you're in love with the universe and it's in love with you a heartgasm that is my new favorite definition my friend love is a heartgasm i love you very much and you've made my heartgasm today my friend thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your voice with me. Beautiful listeners out there in the listening world. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. With that, we are going to bring it to a wrap, but we'll see you next time here with another powerful episode to help you connect into your Cosmic Love Antenna. Myself and Andre, we wish you a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we'll see you next time here on the show. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.